The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Good afternoon, evening or morning, wherever you're listening from. I am Kimberly J. Lewis, and this is Leadership Beyond Borders, the program that makes people aware of the best leadership practices, leadership needs, and just about anything that affects leadership. In our program, we will bring you experts from across the globe who will not only talk to you about great leadership practices, but will also talk to you about issues surrounding leadership from work-life balance to managing stress. We're going to bring you success stories, and we're going to also share with you some of the challenges that leaders face today. Now, a lot of people ask me, why am I doing this show? And um, it's because I know from my 20 years executive management experience that leadership today is not easy. Today, we live in a dynamic and diverse environment affected by changing social, political, and regulatory norms. We, We live with standards, norms, and beliefs, and we do our best to keep up with everything. And sometimes that's just not enough. But leadership is about people, and we're going to talk about it from the people point of view today. People like you, me, our employees, our colleagues, our customers, and just about everybody we come in contact with, including our families, who are also affected by the things we do and the roles we play. And exchange is good. It's often good to talk about leadership trends, what brings success, and what are the challenges. So just think of us as your informative leadership coach and mentor. We will connect you with the thoughts of others, and you can communicate back to us by sending us your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or on our Facebook page, Leadership Beyond Borders Ponytail Talk, or tweet with me at leadershipgbt or join our Leadership Beyond Borders group on LinkedIn. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure you take something away useful for either yourself or your business. So now let's get on to today's show because we have a great leader with us today who became aware of how his behavior was not only affecting his work, but his family. We know that we live in a really competitive and stressful world. We want to be good employees. We want to all be good leaders. We want to be good parents. We want to manage everything. But sometimes the stress just gets to us, and we all react differently to stress. Some of us take it to the gym. Some of us go on vacation, and some of us reach for a glass or two. A recent Gallup poll study shows that the higher income you have, 
the more likely you are to drink. And about 81% of high earners today consume alcohol at least on a semi-regular basis. And studies show the higher the education, the more likely they are to reach towards an alcoholic beverage. Now, these statistics do not necessarily conclude that the higher the position the person has, the more likely they are to drink or to have substantive abuse, but it certainly does point in that direction. And many of us are what, uh, or many of these people are what they call high-functioning alcoholics. Now, I've heard this word before, and I always kind of thought of this word as the executive who had the bottle hidden in his or her bottom drawer, and I had some of those bosses during my career, I can tell you. But my association probably isn't entirely right, because high-functioning alcoholics are found in all walks of life and at all income levels. But there's one thing before we go on that I read that really scared me. There are a lot of studies today showing an increasing alcoholism problem among women executives, probably caused from the pressures to keep up with the guys and from the stress of balancing work and family. I have to say, when I heard this, I had to run to the bathroom and look in the mirror. Um, and I had to look at myself and the only, and I looked in my, looked at my reflection and I said, I think the only thing that's saving me from this devastating habit is I kind of count calories and alcohol has a lot of empty calories. So I rather have a gelati than a gin and tonic, but besides the jokes, um, alcoholism is nothing to joke about. It's a devastating illness for, for everyone. But executives frequently use their positions and privileges to deny the disease long past the point of no return. Our guest today, Mark Treitler, has been down that road. A successful executive and lawyer, he not only battled the disease of alcoholism, but with the support of his family, told the story in a book directed towards teens and families because his family was a big part of his recovery. Mark Treitler grew up in a family with a deep history of addiction on his mom's side. Although mom avoided alcohol and drugs, Mark and his sister succumbed to the addiction. Mark's wife and kids struggled to understand the drinking and the anger. Now Mark's story is a simple story, but it's a story when I read it that should be shared with everything. Mark often refers to alcoholism like an allergy, but one you can learn to turn on or turn off. And his book that he wrote with his daughter, Liana, talk about choice in their book. And the book is called, My Dad is an Alcoholic, What About Me? So welcome, Mark. Welcome Thank to the you. show. Thank you for yeah. the introduction and some, uh, some great uh, facts and material there. And thanks for having me. Well, I, ha I have to say, when I read your book, I, I just found it great. And you know, our our program here is uh, it focuses on leadership, so we're talking to a lot of people in business. But when I read it, I said, "Wow!" I mean, people have got to hear this story because it's not just about us adults; it's about the whole family. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Um, in your book, um, it says that you started, you started drinking um, alcohol in, in college. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I actually started a little bit late, uh, which goes to show that 
you know, one can become an addict or an alcoholic uh, no matter when you start. I know people that have started drinking in, in their late 40s and they turn into an alcoholic. But I started like your normal uh, college student, uh, going to UCLA and having some freedom for the first time. I joined a fraternity where, uh, uh, unfortunately, drinking was pretty normal. Uh, so through four years of uh, my time at the fraternity, I then uh, was was drinking regularly, like uh, most uh, most of my fraternity brothers. Then I went on to law school and business school, and uh, again, it seemed, at least to my brain, that it was a normal part of the uh, social scene there. And I think the difference is, after uh, college or law school or business school, uh, most of my friends and classmates were able to stop. But for some reason, which obviously I know the reason now, for some reason I wasn't able to stop. And that uh, you know, just progressed from social beers to uh, having to drink every night. Uh, a few years later, it's uh, uh, the, disease that, the, the disease that progresses all the time turned into uh, hidden drinking and drinking every night uh, uh, alone with a bottle of vodka. And fortunately, about 20 years later, 15 years later, I was... Uh, uh, inspired by what I think was my daughter to ask for help, and uh, in, in the last nine years, I've been sober and trying to spread the message to other uh, other people. Uh, the book was originally targeted to children, but as you mentioned, uh, it's been a useful tool for families and adults, and uh, and anybody that really has a, a problem with alcohol or drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, when I think about it, Mark, you know, we, I mean, in university, it was always the keg of beer and, and a little bit of party and uh, everything like that. Um, I, I have, I do have one question uh, on your observations today. Um, I live in Europe and the drinking age is 16. And I've read in the United States, children, you know, children are starting to drink with 13. Um, do you think it's getting worse? Are we kind of digging our own grave? I'm curious about your observations on, on you know, uh, is it getting, you know, people starting younger now? Uh, it's getting worse. The studies are pretty clear. Um, and the, the problem is the evidence is significant that for um, people that start drinking under the age of eight, uh, 16, compared to those that wait till maybe they're 21 here in the U.S., you can be up to five times more likely to become an alcoholic. So mm-hmm. the, the earlier people start drinking or using drugs, the, uh, the greater the likelihood of becoming an alcoholic or addict, and it's, uh, it's by, you know, by a factor of five, uh, and many wow. studies to back that up. So, yes, it's a huge problem. Uh, when yeah. people start drinking in middle school and, uh, and using drugs in high school, they're just you know, five times more likely to develop a disease that doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. And then, as we and as we get older, you know, we we start going into the working profession. And and as you started working after college, um, what did you see? Was drinking kind of a part of the 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 social norm in in the work profession when you got out of law school and finished your studies, and and entered entered the professional environment? Hey, oh, it still is. <laughs> Trust me, I'm going still to is. a uh, a big convention uh, in Atlanta in two weeks, and I've gone to that convention. You know, every year for for twenty years, and at night, you know, about ninety five percent of people are out drinking. Uh, mm-hmm. So yes, it's it's part. Unfortunately, it's uh, it, it's part of the business world, the legal world, the sales world, the marketing world, trade shows. Uh, I'm sure some of your listeners have been to trade shows. That's mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's one big college party. At, you know, after the uh, after the actual trade show is done. So yes, it's everywhere around the business world. 
Yeah, I, w- I was thinking about that when I was reading your book. Um, I travel a lot, and I was thinking about when I go into a business lounge um, at the airport and I look around, there's hardly anybody without a, um, a glass in their hand, to be oh, honest yeah, with or, you. Or flights. Uh, or, and <laughs> you're in Europe. You know, I used to work for a company that was headquartered in Germany. And uh, when we would go out there for, you know, week-long meetings and training sessions or, or strategy sessions, not only was there drinking every night by every single person, the drinking was till about 4 a.m. Uh, yes, I don't know if it's still the same there, but we, our meeting started at 8 a.m. and the drinking was until 4 a.m. So it was, uh, it was uh, yeah. yes, it was definitely part of the, uh, the norm, which, which doesn't work well for, for alcoholics, by the way. It's, uh, yeah. uh, we, we have a problem uh, once we start drinking, actually stopping drinking. So while uh, a normal person like you might go out, you know, even if it's a business occasion and have uh, two glasses of wine at dinner, the alcoholic really has a problem stopping at those two. Mm-hmm. So let me let me ask you when you when you go out and you see this and in your observations, I'm, I mean, was there a, awareness? Because we want to bring the awareness back to the family, but I'm thinking the awareness starts with the people themselves. So you know, is, is there awareness around professionals on on kind of what they're doing and 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 what's happening to them and why they're doing it? You know, it's uh, it's a good question. It's really hard, uh, even for an alcoholic, it's really hard to get caught up uh, in the fact that everybody around you is doing it. So if everybody's around you, you know, if you're out with 25 coworkers and clients at a huge uh, dinner and 25 people are drinking, it's really hard. It's really easy to tell yourself, "Well, I don't have a problem." Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody here's drinking. It's it's just part of just part of uh, sales and business. So mm-hmm. it, it makes it very easy to justify the behavior. And for the alcoholic or the person that turns into the alcoholic, that's that's what your brain's really looking for all the time is ways to justify your behavior. And uh, uh, for you not to have a reason to try to get better. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that the level of responsibility you're in job or, or the type of profession contribute to possibly uh, more tendency to alcohol abuse? You know, the, the higher somebody goes up or, or if they're more in a social job where they're trade fairs or whatever, do you think that contributes? Yeah, I, I certainly think, um, you know, the type of job in sales and travel and trade shows and, and company dinners, but, you know, an executive or just a salesperson that, that does a lot of that is certainly much more likely to develop a problem or, or to, you know, have regular drinking issues versus someone that's just eight to five at their desk. So, yeah, certainly. I'm not sure it has, uh, you know, it'd be hard to link it to income and, and rank in a company, but certainly the, the type of business and the travel and, and, you know, how often you're out with clients, because those are always, you know, alcohol-filled. I have a client dinner tonight. I won't be drinking, but I'm pretty sure I'll be the only one at the table that isn't. Yeah, uh, I, can, I can relate to that. It's um, Sometimes it just gets so tiring, you know, this one client dinner after another client dinner, and, and you know, it's automatically, especially in Europe, um, in, in Southern Europe, order the bottle of wine in Germany, have a beer, and then after the dinner, a schnapps. So, so it, it gets tough. It sure does get tough. Yes, uh, I, exactly. And I think it's cultural. Uh, what you just said about... Uh, uh, Germany is exactly how all of our uh, uh, business dinners were with with people from Germany. Uh, it mm-hmm. was uh, after you know after everybody's had way too much to drink. It was a, a last round of schnapps or or, or some <laughs> other uh, uh, high end drink. And you know uh, you know Japanese have their own cultures at dinner with drinking, and Italians do. And it, it you know it works okay for some people, but then you know there's a lot of our society like like myself that develops a. Uh, 
uh, in addition to, uh, to the alcohol or to the drugs, and, it, and then it never goes away. Yeah. Okay, um, Mark, we're going to get up to getting ready to take a small break. And I'd just like to tell our listeners that we're talking with Mark Treitler, executive lawyer, um, author of My Dad is an Alcoholic, What About Me? And you're listening to the Voice America Business Channel. Remember, you can contact me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And if you'd like to reach Mark, you can reach him through his website, potatoallergy.com. You can also reach out to me on Twitter at LeadershipGBT or on Facebook under Leadership Beyond Borders. And our LinkedIn group is Leadership Beyond Borders also. So thank you, Mark. And we'll, uh, when we get back from the break, I'd like to try to talk about you know, when, when you know it's enough. Okay, So we'll talk to you after the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Each week, Larry Sternberg joins Dr. Kim Turnage to explore management issues from culture to discipline in Managing to Make a Difference. Join Talent Plus for 60 minutes of dynamic conversation, including real-life management examples helping you manage teams across the globe. This series airs on Voice America, the business channel, Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Managing to make a difference every Thursday afternoon with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. Get a unique and playful insider's take on the biggest stories in tech, media, and entertainment. Join Lori H. Schwartz, well-known technology catalyst, comedian, and geek girl, as she and leading experts in the media and content business dive into the biggest stories in technology trends, consumer behaviors, and its impact on Hollywood. If you're looking to respond to the tech-fueled changes in the marketplace, then tune in to the Tech Cat Show Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business and syndicated to Voice America Women's Channel. If you're looking for an in-depth, thought-provoking discussion about leadership, tune in to Bernard E. Robinson's The Leadership Forum, Making an Impact Through Effective Leadership. Each program provides an intelligent, conversational experience about leadership from Bernard, his guests, and you. If you're interested in improving the quality of leadership in your organization, listen live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time for the Leadership Forum on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders, the Voice America's exciting new series on Business Network. In this series, we're looking at leadership. In this series, we're looking at leadership, stress, and substance abuse. I am your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, a seasoned executive leadership and diversity expert, and today we are talking with Mark Treitler. 
Mark is a lawyer, an executive, and the author of My Dad is an Alcoholic, What About Me? Um, and he actually wrote that book with his daughter, Leanna, which is what I think is really cool, Mark. Um, and Mark is joining us today from San Diego, California, and I'm joining you from Prague, probably the place in Europe that has the cheapest beer in Europe, and we're talking about alcoholism. So um, Mark is sharing his story about alcohol abuse to a recovery. And uh, Mark, before before the break, we, we were we we're talking about um, the use of alcohol in business, and I, I think we both agreed it's just it's so prevalent; it's all over the place. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, at least in every job I've been in, in uh, yeah. every country I've been in, I think it's uh, if you do anything outside of the office, uh, you know, travel and trade shows and sales meetings and business meetings, it's uh, there's a lot of alcohol involved. Yeah. So, so if I if I'm a leader and an executive, I mean, how how do you know when do you cross that line from from just drinking to alcohol abuse to addiction? When when do you know that? Yeah, there's a lot. It's a good question, and if you're caught up in the uh, the business travels and the drinking, it's uh, it's hard to actually you know get yourself outside of that and to to look and I, to evaluate your your drinking. I get asked this question a lot, um, but I think the uh, the best description is when it turns in when drinking turns from uh, a desire to a need. So, mm-hmm. if you find yourself you know, traveling on the road and you land in a you know you touch down at 10 p.m. in uh, Newark, like I did this week, and uh, instead of going straight to bed like most most normal people would do, you. you you tell yourself, uh, let me stop by the uh, hotel bar for a few drinks. Mm-hmm. Or when, it, uh, when you go out to a business meeting and there's, you know, the dinner ends at uh, 7.30 and then you talk yourself into a, you know, four more hours of drinking. Uh, mm-hmm. when, you, when you start planning events around alcohol, when you start making sure it's there, uh, mm-hmm. making sure you're on a flight with alcohol or you, you have, uh, uh, again, you, there's a hotel bar. If you're, if you're making sure there's a hotel bar where you're staying, these are all signs of a problem. So when it changes from a, uh, a want to a need is the best way to describe it. And then, and then from there, it's off to the races. It, it, it takes over much of your, uh, your entire life. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you, you're you're very sensitive to this. You've observed this. You've been through this. Um, when you're out um, at these trade shows or doing speaking engagements or in dinners or something, um, can you kind of observe when you see somebody who, you know, do you have the sixth sense of of maybe they're they're getting more towards addiction? Um, uh, is yeah. there any? In, yeah. How, oh yeah. And how do? You, yeah. Uh, I can. It's hard for a normal person to, but I can. I can spot. Uh, uh, I can spot alcoholics uh, uh, within my company and within mm-hmm. our client base pretty easily. And it's uh, because I've been there. It's uh, you know, it's uh, might be the one that's always pushing for more shots, mm-hmm. or the one that uh, really towards the end of the night uh, at a trade show is uh, consistently uh, past that point of uh, being able to control themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, someone that's. Uh, that you always find at the airport bar, the hotel bar. Um, right. So, yes, I can. And, and 
um, through my, you know, promoting the book with my daughter and my family and uh, uh, just my general experience in life, it's, it, you know, I, I honestly can say that it's, you know, 80, 90% of people have someone in their family or their friend circle that, that does need help. So it's, it's not hard to see. It's not hard to find. But can, can can we talk a little bit about that? Because um, I'm really always fascinated with this with this functioning alcoholic uh, phase. Because yeah. um, I, I've you know I see people that I know you know deliver really high quality work and and they seem pretty good and and stuff. But then I've also kind of see. Hmm. I wonder, you know, uh, you know, what's going on with them? You know, behind closed doors, or you know, there's one shot too many. Yeah. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about what a functioning alcoholic is? Because sure, absolutely. And first of all, the, just the the people that you wonder about are probably alcoholics. They're just, okay. you know, they're just not they're not hiding it as well as others, but they probably are. Most of the time, your instincts are right, and there is a problem. But the the term functioning alcoholic is is really a little bit dangerous because what we alcoholics and addicts do is we always look at other people to justify our behavior. So um, you know. It, Having a car and a family and children and a good job and a good income versus the you know the homeless alcoholic on the street or the uh, your you know your unemployed uh, alcoholic uncle the the fact that quote you're functioning is dangerous to the alcoholic himself or herself because it tells you I'm doing fine you know I'm doing fine I can't be an alcoholic because I still have my career because I'm still doing well. So it's actually, a, it's actually a negative for the person with the disease themselves, and it's just, uh, um, it's just another reason uh, not to admit that you have a problem. Mm-hmm. And and do you do you find, do you think that that functioning alcoholics? Um, I'm going to come back to your your statement and what you did when you started your recovery. Recovery, uh, but I'm curious on on what kind of effect that has in the workplace, okay? Is there some indication that uh, does the work quality go down or is it is it time and organization problems? Um, you know, how, how would I as a leader recognize that? And then, you know, how me myself would I recognize yeah. that? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, to recognize it in another person, you know, look for signs of... Uh, you know, uh, less reliable, more mm-hmm. odd excuses about behavior, um, you know, coming in later, having more sick days, things that are common sense, but if they really start to pile up, it's really probably a sign. Um, you know, if someone's really smart and hardworking, they can cover a lot of that up, which, you know, I did, and I know a lot of people that have. But the one thing that is universal about alcoholism and drug addiction is that, and a lot of people don't know this, is that it's a progressive disease. It gets worse mm-hmm. every month, every year. So while, you know, even during heavy alcoholism, the, you know, the first, you know, five to ten years of it, you might not have any effect on your job. But then you, mm-hmm. you are going to, you are going to be, have more sick days. Then you are going to be hungover all day. And then eventually you're going to have to start drinking at lunch and then drinking in the morning. And then, you know, towards the end of that progression, obviously, you know, everybody gets fired because they can't work. So somewhere between, you know, social drinking and you're drunk all day and you can't perform anything is where the, quote, functioning alcoholic progresses. And if they don't stop, and I, I've seen it recently uh, with, some, uh, with a good friend of mine, um, high, yeah. super, uh, you know, very successful executive, 
for a big, well-known uh, name company I, I won't mention, and, and eventually the, he was getting promoted and promoted, and just within the last 90 days, uh, the drinking got too bad and he got fired. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that the, the, the promotion, uh, do you think the, the, the stress contributes to that also? Or um, do you think it's just, you know, is there an extra thing on top of it? I mean, it, does it just progress itself naturally? Or when you're in a higher stress position, that it might just add to it? Or is that an excuse? For someone who's actually an alcoholic, it's just an excuse. There's always an excuse to drink. And drinking is the only coping mechanism they have. So whether mm-hmm. it's uh, stress at a job normal stress with marriage, kids, that's the excuse to drink. Mm-hmm. But going through it, you know, the more stressful your job is, if you're not an alcoholic yet, certainly, you know, alcohol for, for some people works as a, you know, as a coping mechanism. So, you know, if you're in a high, you know, 12-hour daily job for uh, Goldman Sachs or, or some big law firm, you know, that certainly that's going to uh, cause more stress. And if you don't have good coping skills, then, then you probably will you know, just turn to the bottle more, which mm-hmm. a few years later might, you know, turn into you're addicted to it. So, so you're correct. Did you, did you, you're an executive and you're a lawyer and um, I'm, you have employees. Have you ever had to address this with an employee or, um, okay, you just talked about a friend, but have, because I think a lot of people, and I know I've been in the position of running company as CEO that I say, hmm, you know, I, I kind of think this is going on, but it's kind of like that taboo subject, you know, how do you address it with somebody? Um, very hard. And do you, yeah. I, yes, I have all the time. So we have. I think what, we do have 50, what do you do? What do you do? We have fifteen hundred employees now. So yes, all the time. Um, well, you know, there's a difference between me and you. For me, it's fairly easy because mm-hmm. you know, I've been there. I'm an expert. You know, I have a book on it. I'm talking to you on the radio uh, about it. And you know, since I've been there, it's easy for me to talk to somebody to sit down and say, "Hey, you know, I, I see you shaking in the morning, and then you go off to the bathroom. You come back, and you're not shaking. I know what that is. I, I'm here to help you." How can I help? So for me, it's a little bit easier for, you know, most of our other executives here who, you know, haven't had problems. In fact, some of our executives have never had alcohol at my company. Uh, it, it, is, it, it is very difficult. Um, I, I'd suggest, you know, if there, you know, if you're in a company and there is somebody like me that, you know, has had a problem and, and you know, even if they're not an executive, but they're in recovery, looping that person in. Because that's really the only type of um, you know, individual that anybody in their active disease will listen to is uh, is somebody that is in recovery. Because every you know nobody else knows where where they've been. That's why if you watch all these you know shows on inter, you know called intervention or, or anything else, all the interventionists are recovering addicts. Because those are uh-huh, the only yeah. type of people who can really speak to someone in the disease, and and you know you know their tricks, you know their lies, you know their. Uh, struggles and what they're going through. Um, so I, in your company, or if anybody's listening, I, I, I try to identify that person and loop them in, whether they're an executive or not, to help in those talks. I, I think I think that's really great, great advice, because I, I know that, you know, I've, as CEO, I had to talk to a people a couple of times, and of course, you know, it's really easy for them to say, well, no, no, you know, um, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, I'm just under stress. It has nothing to do with alcohol. And I think if you ha- do bring somebody in that, that has that experience, it, it does help um, because, you know, they can't lie. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, it's, you're, you're right. It's one of the only ways, actually, because these people are, including myself, they're really good liars. I mean, mm-hmm. amazingly good liars. And, and 
And, you know, even their wives or parents are the smartest people in the world. Uh, they buy the lies, as silly as they seem to someone like me. And, and you know, whether it's, uh, I mean, <laughs> Tiger Woods, okay? So, so when you, 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 you saw what happened with him last month, yeah. right? Yeah. So when he came out and he said uh, his statement was, well, I got some new uh, medicine and it, uh, it affected me poorly, every alcoholic and addict knew that was a total lie. <laughs> I mean, okay. it's a 100% lie because we've all used the same lie. My you know, family members have used that same lie, whereas, you know, I saw, you know, people on ESPN and other uh, new cat, newscasts giving them the benefit of the doubt. So it's uh, when you've been there, you know what's a lie, and it's, uh, that's, you know, that, that's what makes me an effective uh, person, at least to talk to somebody. Getting them to get better is a whole different story, but at least to talk to them and help them realize that they have a problem. Okay. Um, when we come back from the next break, I want to go into your family because I just think it's such a great story, you writing this book with your daughter. But I want to ask you one more question. Sure. Um, your book, your book you, you said you made your decision to go into recovery because of your family. Um, and we're going to talk about that after the break. But I want to know, did you also, did you feel it was affecting your work also? When oh, you, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Without mm-hmm. a doubt. I mean, I was... Uh, uh, you know, I'm still able to focus and and succeed, but uh, you know, having there was a few years at the end, I had to nap every day. Oh, uh, okay. You know, being hungover and tired all morning, uh, not being able to focus on early morning calls, certainly. And certainly, I realized that there was a better way. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, good. So we're gonna we're gonna go into a break in a few minutes. This is really, really an interesting discussion, and I and I hope our listeners out there are paying attention because I, when I look at the workforce and I look at iForce, I mean, they're saying that eighty percent of the people actually drink and twenty percent have a problem. And um, when I look at some industries and. Boy, sometimes I almost think 100% mark, to be honest with you, okay? Um, Uh, Go ahead. I'm often the only person, you know, out of 30 that isn't drinking, so the the number's probably pretty high. Yeah, yeah. I think what they're putting in the statistics are a little bit lower than they actually are. And and it also concerns me, as we talked in the beginning, that that it's just starting so young now. And um, what you said about the under-16... you know, having more chance of becoming an alcoholic is is it makes me worry about our kids. You know, and um, you know what's happening to them. But we're we're going to take a, we're going to take a break now. And um, our listeners, I'd like to tell you, we're talking with Mark Treitler. He's an executive lawyer and author of My Dad is an Alcoholic. What about me? You're on the Voice America Business Channel. And Mark has a website. It's potatoallergy.com. Please take a look at that. And he can, you can contact him through his website. You can contact me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And you can contact me on Twitter at, leader, at leadershipgbt or on Facebook at leadershipbeyondborders. Or you can join our LinkedIn group, Leadership Beyond Borders. And when we get back to the from the break, Mark, I want to talk a little bit about your philosophy on alcoholism. And um, I'd like to hear a little bit about your wonderful family and your daughter and how you guys wrote that together. Okay, thank you. And we'll see you talk after the break.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. What is the forum? It's an engaged discussion with the forward-thinking experts in today's business world. Hosted by Seema Vasa, an entrepreneur and thought leader. This is a place where you can come to talk, ask, and trust. We're not looking to sell you anything, but we are here to tell you the truth. If you want to hear about honest perspectives and winning success stories, listen for The Forum, live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders, the Voice America's exciting new series on the Business Network. In this series, we're looking at leadership, stress, and substance abuse. I'm your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, a seasoned executive leadership and diversity expert. And today we are talking with Mark Treitler, executive lawyer and author of My Dad is an Alcoholic, What About Me? And Mark is sharing with us his story from alcohol abuse to recovery. And Mark, you, um, before we talked about, you know, how it affected your work. And then in your book, you talked about that your decision to recovery really came from your family and your support with your family. Can you, can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, happy to. And, um, you know, first of all, I, I knew I needed help for, you know, maybe seven to 10 years and I wanted help and I wanted to get better. So it's not as, it, it, that's the problem. You know, we, we, those of us that are alcoholics uh, or addicts, we recognize it, but doing something about it's a, you know, an entirely different story. Um, you know, it seems every night, every night you have another excuse to drink, you know, I'll quit in a week, I'll quit in two weeks. Uh, so anyway, after 10 years of that, um, you know, what finally got me is I took my daughter to a, uh, a daddy daughter, uh, concert. Uh, for one of the American Idol kids, and I was really excited about it, and uh, you know, trying to be a good dad. And then after the concert, when we got back, my wife asked my daughter, "Hey, how was the concert?" And my daughter's comment was, "Daddy drank a lot." And uh, I think when I heard that, that's uh, that was sort of my bottom, as uh, as they say. 
Um, and, you know, my dedication to kids was, uh, to my children is obviously pretty significant with me, and that sort of punched me in the gut. And a few days later, I, uh, uh, in Las Vegas, actually, I uh, sort of drank myself to the point where I had to ask for help, and fortunately I did. But, you know, the more we analyzed and looked back at it, it was that one comment from my daughter. Um, mm-hmm. So, so, and I tell a lot of when I do, uh, you know, talking to families or children or on radio programs, you know, you know, use that as a lesson. If if you're a, a spouse or a child or, or someone uh, concerned about a loved one, it, it might be something, you know, something simple like that. So say something. Um, mm-hmm. you, you never know what might cause that person to go in and get help. That that's a pretty powerful story, and um, this is your daughter Liana, right? And yep. she wrote the book with you. She wrote and, uh, so, half of each chapter, yeah. Oh wow, that's great! And how old was she when she did this? <clears throat> she was about thirteen. She's sixteen now, and uh, <laughs> still helping me promote the book and talk about it. And uh, we talked at a middle school last week, uh, so it's uh, very powerful for them to hear from someone uh, their age. Mm-hmm. And and how did how did what was your family as you went through this recover me? You say they provided you with a lot of support, and um, what was their reaction on this decision? And how did they support you? Well, initially, my wife was a little surprised because I was at a trade show in Las Vegas that I was supposed to be home from <laughs> on a Monday, and I called her, and I only had they only let me talk for about five minutes on the phone, and I said, "Hey, honey, I." Uh, not really coming back tomorrow. In fact, uh, I'm coming back in 30 days, and I'm an alcoholic, and I've been hiding it from you for the last uh, 15 years of marriage. Uh, love you. Goodbye. So it was a little shocking for her at first, uh, as we can laugh about now. Um, you know, but certainly after that, they, were, uh, they, they would visit me in rehab. They made cute little signs for me uh, when I got home about no drinking and um, little cartoons That's of bottles nice. with X's through it. Um, and, and as much as, you know, you know, the alcoholic needs to get better for themselves. It's very important to have some, you know, something else to get better for, or someone else to get better for, to remind you in the hard times. And you know, so so having your family there to look at and to hug, and if you're having a bad day in rehab or or in life, uh, and to see those kids and remind yourself that hey, you know, if anything, I, I want to uh, never have my kids see me drunk again, so I can break the family cycle. That that type of idea was always very important to me, and still is. Yeah, and that's the the family cycle. I'd like to I'd like to go into that a little bit because you you talk about you talk in your book about that some people actually have an addictive gene. So can can you talk to our listeners about that? Um, yeah, and that's uh, originally who this book was targeted at: children with uh, addiction in their genes. What you know, so they learn what they need to know before it's too late. But yeah, it's the science is pretty clear on it. You know, we've known about it for. You know, hundreds of years where uh, even on the ranch, if grandpa was a drunk, you know, his, his you know, dad was going to be a drunk and then the sons were going to be a drunk. Every, everybody's known about it. It's just the uh, science has caught up with it. They've actually identified a uh, uh, part of the DNA, one of the GABA receptors that they believe uh, transmit the, transmits the uh, addiction gene. And uh, the good news about it is if you never start drinking or using drugs, you can totally avoid the disease. Uh, the bad news is if you have that uh, gene, you can be uh, up to four times more likely to, to become an alcoholic uh, than, than a normal person. So someone in my situation, you know, with addiction in my family, um, you know, I'm four times more likely than the rest of my fraternity brothers to, to end up an alcoholic, and, and that's what happens. So it, it's definitely there. It's definitely a link. It's completely preventable, but it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's just like the color of your eyes that, 
you know, can be passed from your grandparents to your parents to you. So, so can this gene. Yeah, I have to be honest with you. I did not know anything about it um, when I started reading your book. And then, of course, I, I, I looked it up a little bit after. And, um, and I, I'm, you know, I consider myself pretty well read. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm wondering, I, I think this is great to talk about this because I don't know how many people out there know about it or don't know about it. And I think your message is great because I always thought that you know, the guy in the farm whose son and son, it was more environmental because they lived on the farm, okay, than, yeah. than actual gene. But, so let me ask you, how much, how much do you think is genetics versus environment? And, and, does, and, and when you have both, are you in real trouble? <laughs> uh, yes. When you're, you know, if you, if you have any of your genes and you, it's in your environment or you start drinking before the age of 16, you can be 20 times more likely than somebody else. I tell middle school kids that all the time. That's a, it's a pretty big number. Um, yeah, it's, there's actually studies on it, and I generally agree with it from my observations. They say it's about 50% environment and 50% uh, genetic, and they look at, you know, twins that are separated and adopted, and, you know, fancy scientific studies. Uh, you know, but, but certainly, you know, even if, it's, uh, even if your environment isn't uh, uh, surrounded by alcohol and drugs, that 50% that is attributable to your genetics and your, your genes is, you know, is powerful in the the numbers are really depressing about, you know, how many people follow in their parents' footsteps and, and generation is generation. And it's, uh, and that's, that's the main reason we wrote the book to, to, you know, give kids and families that information before, you know, before they turn on the disease, before it gets mm-hmm. triggered and then uh, it doesn't go away. But, you know, studies have also shown that educating uh, family members and children with, uh, with this gene uh, can be up to, it can reduce alcoholism by 300% just, you know, just reading a book like this or, or just understanding the, uh, the concepts of the, the genetic link. Mm-hmm. And and I see you're doing that. I, I saw a couple messages. I saw a couple um, YouTube where uh, Leanna is with you, and um, she's also delivering this message with you to uh, teens her age. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's really great. And yeah. Yeah, we've done some uh, TV appearances promoting the book. And by the way, for your listeners, the books we're doing it for charity, not uh, not uh, not to buy another car. But uh, and we've done some middle school presentations. We did a uh, uh, convention sort of this weekend for for mental illnesses, and we had a booth there. And a, you know, a lot of people really appreciated the message for their family members. Great. So if you had if you had one message. Um, to first to professionals out there and professionals in high stress, if you, if you give them some advice as we're, we're um, leaving this show today, what, what advice would you give to those leaders out there, those professionals out there um, that are out there in the workplace, confront, you know, with the alcohol all the time, if you had a little bit of advice to give them? Sure. Uh, and that is that this disease, whether or not it's in your genes or not, can creep up on you and you're so busy, and you're out so much, and it's just drinking so much part of your normal uh, day in business that uh, next thing you know, you're, gonna, you're an alcoholic, and then you have to fight it for the rest of your life. So be, be aware. Um, be very uh, aware of your drinking. Uh, if it's spreading to the point where you, you, know, you can't stop after two beers or two glasses of wine, maybe step back. If it's to the point where you're drinking on uh, non-business nights or it's uh it, it turns you know starting to turn into a need you need to step back you need to talk to somebody you need to get help before it's too late because once it's too late 
then um, you know the, the, you, you can stop drinking, but you have to work on it for the rest of your life. So, so be aware it sneaks up on you very quickly. Mm-hmm. And what would you, if you had a message for families, I think that's great advice because I think um, first to the leaders, I think many people are just not aware of that. And um, as, as we talked about a little bit earlier, it becomes routine and um, then bang, it's it's probably right there in front of you. And what, what about, you know, we do have, we probably do have some families listening out there. Also, um, would you have a message to families? Yeah, the best thing you can do is talk to your kids. Sounds easy, but your school isn't going to do it. Their friends aren't going to do it. Their, their YouTubers aren't going to do it. You need to talk to them about the risks of the behavior, uh, not only drunk driving, but you know, specifically becoming addicted to pills, uh, becoming addicted to alcohol. If, if anybody's watched the news lately, you know, heroin and pill overdoses are, are now greater in the United States than deaths from car accidents and gun violence. It's, it's actually an epidemic in this country, and I'm sure Europe. So talk to your kids. If you have it anywhere in your family history, in your genes, then you need to even have a more detailed talk, and, and, and our book can help with that. Um, there's other resources, but this is one of the only books out there that's really uh, uh, speaks and written for um, you know, children with the disease uh, in their genes. And if you're if you're not doing that, you're you're just uh, you're just putting them out there uh, against some very scary odds. Mhm, mhm. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mark, this is just really good and uh, just absolutely a fantastic um, conversation that we've had today. And um, thank you. I've enjoyed it. I, yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed it. And um, I would like to really thank you very, very much and um, encourage people to please get this book. My dad is an alcoholic. What about me? I, I got it and um, I really enjoyed it as an adult. And I've, I've given it to, you know, suggested it to some of my friends who have teenagers. And I think you and Leanna and your whole family have done a really good job. And I think this is really brave of you and to share this with everybody um, because it's it's really helping everybody. So thank you very, very much. Uh, well, thank you. And if, uh, uh, if your listeners have any questions, go on our webpage and there's a submit questions to the experts. Uh, happy if you don't have anybody to talk to, happy to to help discuss it and point you in the right direction. Right, and um, just just one quick question. So t- the picture on the front, that's a potato and a peanut, right? I just it uh, is. I had I forgot to ask you this. Okay, it yeah. is. We're, we're and, trying and, to make it re- relatable to kids because everybody knows someone with a peanut allergy, and we're right. trying to say, hey, the you can see the potato here is is basically saying, how come people don't talk about me representing you know vodka? Or an allergy to uh, an allergy to alcohol. How come children with an allergy to alcohol uh, they don't talk about it? And uh, but all their classmates that are allergic to peanuts, uh, everybody knows and keeps them away from peanuts. So we're trying to make that analogy for for children and society. Of uh, maybe we need to pay attention to these kids like we do uh, kids with peanut allergies. Great, really, really clever idea. So thank you once more time. And to our listeners, you can you can reach Mark on his website at potatoallergy.com. And um, it's morning in San Diego, so I hope you have a great day, Mark. All right. Have a great weekend. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So um, I think Mark's message was a strong one, and I'd like to just, you know, once again, my respect to Mark and a great respect to Leanna, um, who did not join us today. And here on the show, in the last weeks, we've talked about 
um, the expectations around good leadership and the pressure is great. You combine that with the social aspect of business, as we talked about today, customer customer dinners, business outings, overnight trainings, constant travel. And as I said, when I travel a really lot and when I go in the business lounge, I see almost everybody with a drink in, the, in their hand. So I think this today's show has really given us something to think about. And the statistics about women exec- executives really scare me. And in my book, Ponytail Talk, It's All About Me, Winning Career Strategies for Women, I talk about the constant stress we women encounter in the workplace. And I can, you know, talking to Mark, I can see how it's easy to get discouraged and then reach for a glass. But we are all in charge and we all have our own destiny in our hands. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at other aspects of leadership. Um, We have a lot coming up to talk to you about. So join us each week. We have some leadership topics that will intrigue you. And I think that our series has become one of the greatest series on Voice America Business Channel. So please don't miss out on it with us. Now, Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy, SRO, and the Women's Leadership Academy 2020, as well as Ponytail Talk Executive Coaching for Women. We provide leadership training, systemic team coaching certification, motivational speaking, and much more. If you'd like to contact me, your host, Kimberly Lewis, please send me a mail at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or visit my website at leadershipbeyondborders.net. Please also like us on Facebook at Leadership Beyond Borders Ponytail Talk on LinkedIn under Kimberly Lewis or our LinkedIn group, Leadership Beyond Borders, and on Twitter at LeadershipGBT. And as I end my series each each week, I end with a leadership word for each week. And my leadership word for today is remember moderation. So thank you and see you again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.